So when they're little girls, if a little girl, think about it, we're all on the playground, me, you, and all the rest of our little friends, we're about to play Red Rover, and I'm like, look, give me Jimmy, give me Tommy, give me Billy, let's go, let's kill them. And then you're like, I'm gonna need you to calm down, sis. It's just Red Rover, you're so bossy. But if it was Jimmy, Billy, or Tommy, he would be a leader and ready to be the next president. So from when we're very young, we start, it all starts, right? Have you checked out my new YouTube series, You Need Leadership Development? If you haven't, go check it out. Click the link in the show notes because this is really walking you through why you need to grow personally and professionally as a leader because we're not just leading in the workspace. We're also leading ourselves. We're also leading in our households. So make sure you guys check that out and get the tools and the strategies you need to be an effective leader 360. Again, find that information in the show notes and get plugged in to how to take your leadership to another level. What's up, guys? Thank you for joining me on another episode of Internal Fire. And I'm back. I am back with another interview. I know last week we did a pivot, but I've been really trying to hit hard about humanizing the workplace. So make sure you guys tune into that message if you missed it and check out my YouTube series where I'm going to be talking about that more. But outside of that, today we have Dorothy Enriquez on. I'm so excited to have her. She is killing it in the leadership development space and organizational development and helping organizations and individuals and teams learn how to communicate effectively and women. I mean, just doing some great things. And I love connecting with people that are in similar spaces that are changing corporations and really about this life of transforming leaders. So get your notepads, get your note taking materials, and let's get into this message. What's up, guys? Thank you for joining me on another episode of Internal Fire. I'm so excited to have these amazing conversations with this vast array of leaders in different spaces. And today, we have Dorothy Enriquez. Hey, girl. Hey. Um, She is a chief thought leader and founder. Um, This Forbes contributor is known for her effective communication skills and leadership development talents. Dorothy Enriquez has trained professionals from high potentials and emerging leaders all the way to senior leaders and executives across industries. Dorothy helps ordinary people become remarkable leaders. I love that. And that's just like a small amount of stuff she does because she's also a trainer, facilitator, coach, like all these hats that you wear. But welcome to Internal Fire. I'm so happy that you made your time to get on here. Thank you so much. Thank you. Thanks for having me. I'm excited. Yes. All right. So let's get right into it. So I want to kick it off and talk about, so you have 15 years of corporate America experience, and I want to just kind of kick it off, like, what was that experience like for you that actually got you into the space where you started doing leadership and team development and working with leaders and really helping people get to that next level, that change aspect of leadership that's so important, especially today? Yeah, that's such a good question. Well, when I started in corporate, Um, I started on the operations side of the organization that I was with, but I was actually in training and development. Um, But the training and development that I did was like end user training on software. So I didn't start to migrate into the development of individuals until maybe two years into that role because all of my client work was external clients. And 
as I was, you know, diving into my role and really looking at the organization, I thought, you know, there's some work we could do internally, right? How do we decrease turnover? How do we impact new employees so that they have a great experience? How do we start looking at um, how employees respond to change, especially because there would be uh, acquisitions and mergers coming our way? How do we equip our workforce to respond to that in a way that advances the company instead of sets it behind? And that was kind of my first foray professionally with navigating um, developing the people and the leadership outside of like end user training and helping them understand the software and how to maximize it. Um, but it wasn't until my next organization that I really started focusing on people development. Uh, and the leadership development piece didn't really start to come in until later in my career, like the back half is when I started to have exclusive focus on leadership development prior to the last five, six years-ish of my career. Um, it was all training, development, learning, development, putting in premier programming, uh, really being able to reduce turnover, really being able to positively impact uh, the employee experience. So sometimes a little bit more on the organizational development side. That was like a really long answer. Oh, no, that's, no, that's perfect. No, I love that because um, you, I think you highlighted something that even when I'm doing my leadership development training, that experience aspect and that people management is so important that you highlighted something like there was a retention thing, like you mentioned retention a lot of times. What were you seeing during that period that you got into people management and people development, I mean, where you start saying like, okay, this was the retention issue and this was going to resolve it. What was, what was that season and what were you seeing that was happening? that maybe corporations or leaders out there can start to pay attention to because there is still a big retention issue um, and people development is so important in keeping, you know, people in those seats. That part. So look, so many different things, right? And it's like little old me, how much could I really like address? But I do believe we have to lead from every seat we sit in. And it really is like this whole element of influence. But some of the things that I saw early on in my career that I still think ring true today is that oftentimes organizations pour the dollars into higher level employees. So the, the senior directors, VPs, senior VPs, and folks in the C-suite are the ones getting the most personal development, and they're the ones having those premier experiences on how to show up, how to get results, how to be innovative, how to be creative, how to, you know, um, you know, expound on the value of the people that are in the company. However, the people who aren't often getting that same level of love and care are the high potentials emerging leaders, oh my God, and especially new leaders, or leaders in transition. So you're not new, but you're not seasoned either. You're in that in-between phase, and the leadership transition, which is oftentimes 18 to 24 months, is biting you harder and harder every time it happens. So when you go from individual contributor to manager, okay, that is like a swift kick in the pants, right? Because now, your friends are your direct reports, et cetera. Every time this happens, it is just, and no one accounts for it and they don't get the love and care, right? So I'm seeing these gaps. I'm also seeing gaps in, um, you know, some of those different dimensions in diversity. So the diversity that you can see, right? The diversity that you cannot see, 
plus the inclusion or lack thereof. And so then as a result in all of these different spaces, right, people are like, you know, maybe this isn't the right company for me. Maybe I'm not a quote unquote good fit. Maybe I'm not a good ad. And in all of these spaces, yes, it's culture work, but part of the culture work is infusing these experiences that help people have a platform and a brave space to talk about what needs to be talked about, but then also giving people the room to voice uh, their hopes, their worries, their concerns. You know, in all of these companies that I was in, there would just be so many gaps. It's not even for one person to fix. It's not even for one department to fix, but I would do what I can. And so one of the things that I focused on very early in like the top, is it the top half or the early in my career, all the way to the middle part, right, was new employee orientation and new employee onboarding because that's part of the retention issue. It takes about 45 days for you to realize, oh, I have made a serious mistake. What have I done? I need to start looking, right? But if you can bring folks in with a really robust uh, orientation and or onboarding, they're not the same, but if you can really blow out that orientation onboarding experience, you can extend the time because they're drinking the Kool-Aid and ostensibly if things go awry, which naturally they will, um, they're like, you know what, that was probably just a fluke. I still love it here. You know what, but I have a great boss. I still love it here. There's processes in place to help me stay engaged and plugged in. I still love it here. And so that was like one of my fortes. Very early on in my career, I saw that that was a gap at most places that I worked for because I worked at a lot of startups, a lot of small businesses and small organizations to medium size. And I'm like, y'all need this. Y'all need this. And on top of that, something else that I think is that some organizations will adopt this philosophy, like I pay you to do what I told you to do, not to think. And so when people don't understand how their work contributes to the bottom line, they're less engaged. Girl, listen. Yes, that is so true. I think that of course, every, you know, business that starts up, they talk about creating a business plan and you have this mission and vision, but does the person that might just be the janitor, do they feel that they contribute to the mission? The person that's sitting there and they're plugging in these dates or doing the travel, do they feel like they're pouring into the mission? But you actually do. Every button you click, every reservation you make is benefiting that CEO to travel, to make the connections that they need. So the corporation, the business can expand. So I love that you mentioned that because a lot of people don't feel connected to the mission. And one of the things that I posted recently talked about the shift and the change in the workforce and how before people, you, you know, it, it had like check and then next to it, the, the business and how um, leaders should look at the future of developing team members. People are looking to have purpose in their roles. They're oh. looking to feel like they want to be a part of something bigger than themselves. A lot of people are going into entrepreneurship. They want to touch lives. They want to feel more internally involved and and it's not about just going and pressing a button. It's like, do I really feel like I belong? Do I feel like, you know, the culture is good? Am I included? Is there equity? So all those things are so important. And I love how you talk about that because I think that it's really now mastering the art of people management, customizing. I always talk about when I do my trainings about customizing the experiences for your team members because one person might like this type of recognition. But are they even being recognized in the first place? One person likes, yeah, some people like for you 
you to, hey, how's your family? Some people won't ever tell you about their family, but they still want you to give them input. So really understanding your team members and engaging effectively. And I love how you also mentioned about helping those small businesses, those startups, because when I think about leadership development, a lot of people go into roles not even really recognizing like you're a leader, like you're a full-blown <laughs> leader. You're about to manage a team. And that means people management. And with people management, you have to think about how you're going to recruit effectively. And now that you have them in the seat, how are you going to keep them in there? How are you going to engage them? So yeah. that part is so important. So I love how you're saying from the beginning experience, it's so important that we connect with these people early on. So, hey, they have that buy-in even further. So what do you think about now once they're in there and in the beginning phase, the experience is good. Now, once they're like in there for a while, what kind of things were you seeing or what kind of things that you help organizations help develop once people were there for some time to keep them engaged and they're now just, so they're not just there now just for a check and they can't find nowhere else to go. Listen, because especially as I progressed through my career, more and more so there would be like this war for talent. I think maybe when I started, it's, you know, maybe employers had their pick. There was just so many people you could pick whoever, but then the more I, the further I got into my career, the more it was like, you know, but because of the type of organization that we have, or because of the specialization in this role, we can't just slot anybody in there. Organizations have started to become very picky. But I think that, you know, once you have folks in the mix and they're, you feel like they're a great culture add and a great culture fit, um, the next step is to really make sure that you're looking at the employee life cycle. Like, what's the plan for this person? I do think a lot of organizations, ones that I've worked at and ones that I've worked um, for through subcontracting or whatever. And then of course, just having your network where people talk about their companies. Um, a lot of organizations have a set it and forget it approach. Like you're in here, we know, especially because you're a millennial or because you are a Gen Zer, you're gonna be here all of about one to two years, three max. And so this is your career curated as you see fit, um, which absolutely your career is your, your priority, it's not necessarily, and I, I'm using very big air quotes, like hold hand for the air quote, it's not necessarily the organization's um, job to curate your career. However, what I do think is important in each organization is that they have a roadmap based on the role that you're in. Where could you go potentially in the next 18 to 24 months once you are right person, right role, and you're successful in meeting uh, requirements, competencies in this role, where could you go next? And some organizations have that in place, some don't. They just leave you to just kind of flap in the wind. But for, um, you know, for women, women come into leadership differently. And for people of color, the way that we experience corporate is completely different altogether. So without some of these things in place, it can make the corporate experience particularly challenging. Um, so in some of the different organizations that I've worked in, sometimes they put the competencies in place so that you can at least see where you are. Uh, some organizations do have career mapping um, that I've worked at. And then some organizations have 
development tracks. So they maybe have one piece, not the other piece, this piece, but not that piece. But at least with many of the organizations that I've had an opportunity to be a part of, they've had one, at least one piece in place, whether it's the competencies associated so that you know where you need to be for each of the roles. Maybe they have employee resource groups where you can have the support of people who look like you or have a similar experience like you, um, or they have developmental programs. Like if you're new, here's your developmental track. Take these courses, read these books, do this, attend these conferences. And I think when companies are willing to invest like that into employees, it is a game changer. Cause like you said, you know, you gotta get the people in the seat, but then how do you keep them in the seat? And each, each company is different. There's some companies who are like, we're not developing you because you're a millennial, you're a zier, what if you leave? But yo, what if they stay? With this lack of development, though. Yes, yes, yes. And I think that's so important. That's one of the things that I've been talking about a lot, of course, about the generational diversity, because I did a training with some business leaders, helping them learn how to communicate to this ever-changing, you know, dynamic of the millennials. I'm like, listen, the millennials are going to be the core of the workforce. The Gen Z is going to be right behind them. They can relate to the millennial leader because we can can speak their language. We're hip and cool, too, right? right? But how, as you may be a baby boomer, that is a CEO of this company, how are you going to be able to connect to the change? I tell, I challenge a lot of um, leaders and organizations to think about, do you want to be the organization of the now or the future? Because if you're only doing things from this one stance or how you, how you have been doing things over time, this one way, yeah, and you're going to phase out in the next few years because the needs of the future of the workforce is different. So mm-hmm. you have to be more innovative. You have to start thinking about how I'm going to cater to the needs so that uh, that millennial and that Gen Z doesn't bounce. So I love that. Um, I, I love that. I, it seems like corporation, they, these organizations are aware of it, but they're just like, ah, you're leaving anyway. But what if they stay? What can you do? What can you incorporate? Identify their needs. Yes, it might be an uncomfortable change for you, but are you trying to be the organization and the company of the future where you're long lasting because these are going to be the future leaders of your teams these are going to be the future leaders yeah. at the c-suite level so really investing in them is important instead of just saying ah they're going to leave anywhere let's just keep bringing people in and just doing this type of process i don't think that's really that effective um so i love that you highlighted that so let's get into it i mean you mentioned about the experience for um women um black people going into corporate america is so different let's talk about that let's delve deeper into that so from your perspective how does that look why is it different why is that of course we know that is the hot topic but the question is and you know a lot of companies are putting out these you know hey we're all about inclusion and then you're seeing the makeup of their c-suite level and it's like like are you really though friend Exactly. And I, and I said that I'm like, we talk about diversity, like in the military, we see diversity, but inclusion, eh. but once you talk about equity, about now giving me a seat at the table, that's when it gets tricky. So let's talk about that. Talk about that, um, that perspective of why is that experience so different for women and for black people? Yeah, well, I think, you know, on the the side of women and how women navigate through corporate and just navigating through leadership in general, right, when you think about it, it starts from when women are very young, right? So when they're little girls, 
if a little girl, think about it, we're all on the play playground, me, you, and all the rest of our little friends, we're about to play Red Rover, and I'm like, look, give me Jimmy, give me Tommy, give me Billy, let's go, let's kill him. And then you're like, I'm gonna need you to calm down, sis. It's just Red Rover. You're so bossy. But if it was Jimmy, Billy, or Tommy, he would be a leader and ready to be the next president. So from when we're very young, we start, it all starts, right? You need to, you need to calm down. You need to relax. You need to be more demure. You need to like, you know, button up this mouthpiece of yours. You need to, and so then as these little girls get older, you know, let's say now we're teenagers, then you want to take a look at the responsibilities that we're given. We have the responsibilities that if we screw up, we could kill people, right? So our responsibilities are cooking. If we don't cook that chicken right, it's a wrap. Um, and our responsibility are taking care of younger siblings. Well, if we don't watch them, they could run out and get hit by a car, right? But then what's the responsibility of our younger brother or older brother? Mow the lawn. Okay, well, if he does that and he messes it up, the grass will grow back shovel the snow. If he messes up, then he just has to shovel it again so our cars can get out. So we are tasked with these roles that really foster this idea that like women are communal, right? But then it's a shift in power, even though we have more responsibility. So then we get into the workforce. We've got all of these things put on top of us by society. And then let's not forget, like if you're a woman of color, then there's all this extra stuff, right? You have to be five times as good to be taken half as seriously. You need to speak better, dress better, be more educated, et cetera. You enter into corporate, right, with your male counterparts, and you may be entering and you're paid less for the same job. You're entering and most women, I forgot what the statistic is, but more than half of women don't negotiate for a variety of reasons. Right, so you're now you're in the job and then you've got all of these combating perspectives. You don't wanna be bossy. You don't want to, especially if you're a woman of color, um, you don't wanna come across in the wrong way where it doesn't re resonate with your white male or female counterparts. And you're just trying to find your way. It feels like a maze. It feels like the Hunger Games, but nobody gave you the cheat codes. And you know, you're trying your best not to commit career suicide. And then depending on the age gap between you and your parents, even if they were in corporate, the way they showed up in corporate isn't going to mirror how you would show up in corporate present day. This whole idea of work really hard, keep your head down, get to work early, leave late, that will get you the award-winning responsibility of taskmaster. Because corporate does not, we don't know what to do with taskmasters other than give them more tasks, right? So as we come into leadership, what's really important for female leaders is for organizations to understand this whole little process that we have to go through and have structures in place where women can get mentors, um, especially male mentors, and when possible, white male mentors, sponsors who are in these rooms and have these seats where they can guide us through the process to be able to help us move along faster. Because most organizations, they have a whole map. And on that map, you see all the diversity and there's all the color, you see all the dots. And then after like a manager level two, there's a significant dip. All of a sudden, less women, less people of color in general. And 
all the companies across the board are like, oh my God, everyone's leaving. They're, they're exiting the workforce. They're getting on the off-ramp. They're not moving up. They're not, you know, um, elevating in the organization. How come they can't figure out how to accelerate their ascent? But what is problematic is the systems, processes, and procedures in place that don't allow for these segments to be able to move through in a way that's gonna resonate not only with them, but external customers as well, because external customers can see the C-suite too. Yes, yes. And, that, and I think that's, again, that's highly important. Um, even when we're thinking about the shift and being the company of the future, also considering the needs of the team members you are have, the, again, the millennials, the Gen Zs, and all those other Gen X, YP, Elemental P that's coming in. Diversity is what they're looking for. Um, one of the roadmaps I like to give a lot of these companies is the shape of each generation. What time, like what, what developed them? Like if it was World War II, if it was this that happened, was it the Berlin Wall? Like all those different things. And again, the generation of the past or of the now, um, somewhat of the now, but the ones that are phasing out the workforce, they were used to, hey, like the place ain't diverse, whatever. I'm going to just go in and grind it out. But again, you have this whole slew of people that are coming in. They're going to be looking for diversity. They're going to be asking those wow. questions. They're Absolutely. going to go to your website. They're going to see what you posted out there. And if you are truly doing what you're saying you're doing. And also, like I've been talking a lot about, you know, the things going on with the Ellen show. Like we live in a world where people can post something online and now all your company businesses out there, right? And now people are asking questions and people are getting involved. And now you start to find out people start feeling confident and start speaking out and saying, you know what, this company isn't that diverse. They're not inclusive. They're not opening doors. Mm -hmm. They're closing doors. And a lot of organizations don't know it's institutional. They don't even realize that their processes from how they recruit, where they recruit from, right and yeah. even where they and who they even ask referrals from it's really you know i don't want to say whitewash but it is it, it's it really is. only focused on yeah on certain people coming in the door and then you're hiring externally instead of developing the people internally to yeah. develop them and like you said open those doors so a lot of them don't know it's institutional and they're hey, we're going to be more inclusive, but right. what about what are you going to do to make sure your systems and your practices yeah. are not the ones that have been biased this entire time? Absolutely. Making sure that the, that the slates are diverse, making sure that you don't have um, naming biases, right? Mm. Don't go anywhere. Stay right here for the other half of this message. That'll be back to you in one second. Leaders need constant developing. It might be on the personal side of development or the professional side, but essentially the work that you do on yourself will benefit how you show up as a leader in the home as well as within the workplace. Check out these testimonials from some clients I've worked with in the past and make sure you book your session soon. They want to continue on this journey because it has been very beneficial for me. Um, like I said, I'm not the same person. I don't feel like I'm the same person I was five weeks ago. How I fit your strategic goal. And they're like, wow, that makes sense. Okay. Yeah, that does. I mean, I, I, I'm glad I'm glad you got me here because that's, that's good. So. You feel it was accurate? Like, what was your feedback? I think it was definitely accurate. Thank you so All much. Right. This was fantastic. You're welcome. You're welcome. And you have a period. Like, how do you feel now? I do want to be successful in my business. Um... I need to work on me. I'm like, I'm happy right now. I am. I'm, That's this is good. good. So what are you waiting for? Schedule your session today.
Wow, what a powerful part one. And make sure you guys come back next week for part two. But the reason why I stopped it here and I do these half episodes of these interviews is because I want you to take in the information that you learned. So let's do some recap and talk about some areas that I want to highlight again. It's so important. Dorothy said that we need to be able to lead from every seat we sit in. But what happens is that a lot of organizations are pouring dollars into high tier leaders, C-suite executives, instead of supporting and also developing those high potentials, those emerging leaders, those new leaders, those leaders in transition, because what happens is that those people aren't getting the support that they need. I mean, there's something called promotion anxiety. When people are, or individuals are transitioning from one leadership role to the next, there is an uncomfortability. There's a level of maybe new skill development that they need. They might need some personal development. There's so many things that are happening during that 18 to 24 months that is going to be so pivotal in that person's transition and growth. And it's important that you are supporting those um, leaders or emerging leaders that are in this transition points and they're going through these changes or they're even, again, new leaders that are new to the whole space of leadership. Because again, leadership isn't just a title. There are certain skills, there are certain things that each individual might need to work on because we all have blind spots. We all have non-talents that can be developed over time. But what happens when that individual doesn't get that? They start to question their role. Now it turns into a retention issue. Now it turns into a high turnover issue. And that's what we want to prevent. So we need to make sure that we are supporting leaders at every single level and pouring dollars to all those tiers so we are developing them over time. The other part is she mentioned that Within 45 days, you have that realization if you want to leave an organization or not. That's why that new employee um, onboarding process is so effective because if you create a orientation experience, that could extend the time. Even if they have hiccups around uh, as they're going through throughout the weeks and the months of their organization, that experience from the beginning could really have a positive effect on them that they stay longer. Because again, we have this big retention issue. Remember, individuals don't typically quit the organization. And even though they do, quit the organization in total, they typically quit the leader. So we want to find ways so we can really support our new employees and people coming on board, new management, new leaders through an effective onboarding process and a development program. And then lastly, one other area that's so important is that employee development plan. Whoever joined a job and they were given a roadmap of what they need to do to progress in this role. I've never had that. I mean, I, w- I would say, no, let me say that. Let me take that back. I had that while in the military. You already know that as you're progressing, I know what I need. I know what the expectation is. I love that. But when I was on the corporate side, I never had that experience. I didn't know what was needed for me to move to each tier. What was the plan? What kind of education I need? What kind of skills development should I consider? So that is so important. Do you guys have an employee development pro- a plan? And I actually have a free download on my website that actually breaks that down, how to create an effective employee development plan because again, gone are the days that we only have that six month check-in or that one year check-in with our team members. And now we're saying, okay, this is what you need to work on. We need to make sure we're coaching them and having a development plan allows them to have this process along the way. 
And one of the final areas that we talked about before this episode closed was the transition of women in leadership and that experience of how you have to juggle so many things from how you were developed through society of how you're supposed to conduct yourself in the external environment. And now you're questioning, you know, your aggressiveness and should you speak this way and is should a woman function this way in a leadership role? So you're even seeing how women and you know, which is a part of the one of the minority groups that are having some hiccups within a corporation organizations that really deal with a lot of bumps in the road of trying to be a leader and taken serious and not allowing. I can't even say they're not allowing, but there's so many biases that will prevent a lot of these individuals and these minority groups from progressing because of, again, a conscious bias. Women should be like this. A man can speak aggressively in a boardroom and it's like, man, he's so, he's so powerful or he's so great. And he's just, man, he's just, his energy is so powerful. But if a woman does it, it's like, whoa, that's a bit too much. Okay. And I talk about how I experienced that myself. So even women in leadership, there's a lot of things that we have to experience. So again, these conversations are so beneficial because even if you're not a woman leader, even if you don't fall into a minority group, you're hearing from different people from different backgrounds who are telling you about their experiences from working in the field and being a part of the field. So now you can have that understanding, that empathy that will allow you to go back to your organization and really support those team members that you have, really support those people next to you that you have that are looking up to you. So that's why these conversations are so important. That's why you need to continue to tune in. And like I said, take away it. Maybe there's some additional nuggets that you took away. Write that down. Let that seep in your mind. Figure out how you can apply that in your workplace. Pass this information on. Share this with somebody, please. Make sure you like and subscribe and share it to someone to like and subscribe because again, these conversations are so important to help you take your leadership development to another level. Why? Because individuals don't typically quit the organization. They typically quit the leader. And that's why you need leadership development. I appreciate you guys tuning in to another episode of Internal Fire and catch me next week when we go to part two, where it gets really good, good, good when we start talking about the aspect of diversity, equity, inclusion. All right, guys, have a great week. I got you. It's coming. Are you ready to ignite the fire? We are Speak Fire. Oh, and by the way, that's fire with a Y. What's going on, everyone? Internal fire. Student fire. Young fire. Father's fire. Leadership fire. Champion fire. (laughs) (laughs) Unlocking the fire within. Thank you all for tuning in. Let's grow. Speak fire. Speakfire.com. Speakfire with a Y. We have a new episode that comes out every Monday at 4 a.m. Are you going to be up with us? Deuces. I want to shout out all my faithful listeners for tuning in every week. And don't forget to follow me on social media at Miss Aisha Speaks on all platforms. That's M S A I S H A Speaks. And don't forget to like and subscribe, turn your notifications on and leave a comment if this podcast has blessed you in any kind of way. I thank you for all your support. Many blessings to you.